Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Alrighty, let me set my own timer. Um, okay. Um, hi, my name is Charlie, and I'm a great recovering sexaholic. Um, so. Wow, this is so weird. Um, hope everybody can hear me. Um, service is not great here. Um, so, um, I'm just going to say pretty much what it was like, um, what it's like today, and uh, all that stuff. Um what it was like, um, what it was like was, uh, pretty much, I, I would say how I got the, uh, I would say becoming an addict or 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 the origins of myself being an addict um i believe you know just comes from the you know lack of well i don't know exactly but a lot of it comes from just a, a very low self-esteem a lack of a lack of confidence um and then just a very much a lack of productivity um once that happened um then i pretty much wanted to feel better about myself um and i didn't have the tools um so not having not having the tools to to feel better about myself um so what what that did pretty much um and i think i think for for addicts in general it's just we don't have the tools for living um i know for myself i just didn't have the right tools to know how to be happy uh for myself i didn't have the tools to know how to deal with situations with my emotions with um feeling crappy about myself uh always feeling down on myself you know about expectations for what i was supposed to be for what my parents thought i should be what my rabbis thought i should be for you know just uh what my teachers thought i should be what i thought i should be mainly um for what i thought god thought i should be um you know all my preconceived notions like the book says my you know my prejudices the the prejudgments that i had um all those things um you know I, and for me inherently i i i viewed myself as a failure um 
And that's what led me to to find comfort ultimately in lust, you know. Um, and it's just started, you know, on a minute scale, on a smaller scale, uh, when I was uh, uh, 12 years old, pretty much. I mean, I, you know, I had a little bit of, you know, some instances of lust when I was younger, uh, like, you know, in seven, eight years old, uh, so I got seen on TV once when my family was on vacation, my brothers were watching TV, my older brothers, I saw it seen on TV, I still remembered, it was so triggering, and even, like, later on in addiction, when I was, you know, about, like, six, seven years ago, or eight years ago, whatever, I was try. I tried to like, find the same scene, and like, I ended up finding the movie, but I couldn't find the scene. I don't know what, I don't know why that was, but um, so it, it definitely had an impact on me. But I didn't really realize that I can kind of capture that image back until like I was twelve years old. And I started fantasizing a little bit, and the same at that same time is when I started having my anxiety. Um, which was mostly just, you know, focused on, uh, I was having just, I would have trouble breathing. It was just, you know, kind of like subtle panic, panic attacks, like, um, that kind of stuff. Um, and then things kind of got worse when I was in 10th grade and I would, you know, um, uh, I, in ninth grade, ninth grade was okay because I was, uh, you know, it was new to me, the whole, um, the whole studying thing. So I kind of thrived a little bit there, you know, new friends, new people. Um, but I kind of, you know, I was kind of the class clown a little bit. Um, 10th grade, I basically didn't do anything. My rabbi was nice, but he was too nice a little bit, maybe. Um, but I mean, I, I just didn't do anything. I was just, I just spaced out all day and, you know, and uh, I just felt inadequate, I guess. And I just, all I did was, was fantasize. Um, and just that basically led me to have, you know, just, the worst depression. Um, I don't know. The worst depression that I could fathom. Um, and I couldn't ever fathom having that even. Um, I won't even, I won't go into it uh, much. I'll just say, um, I just remember the days and it went, well, it went on for a year and a half about, um, I just remember just, days walking around where I would look out the window and I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand why people would be driving cars or why people were in planes flying overhead or why there were buses going, what people were doing, what, what was this world for? Like I had zero interest in, in, I, I, I couldn't life, for me, life, there was zero meaning for it. Like, I, I couldn't enjoy food. There's no, like, there was nothing. Like, I had basically every part of spiritual, like, happiness, physical happiness, every bit of serotonin or 
or or um, dopamine, I guess, that I had in my brain was just drained, was just gone, was just out. And uh, there was absolutely nothing but just, just like darkness. And uh, the fears that came along with that, just fear of death, fear just was would cripple me. I would sit and just shiver for hours, just fearing death. Um, and, um, yeah, it was just terrible. Um, and then I had another bout and then, and then I just, uh, I used to cry, I used to pray for, you know, uh, but the standing silent prayers, I used to pray for about a half hour sitting there crying while everyone was still, you know, while everyone was finished already. Um, and, um, 12th grade, it kind of stopped a little bit. Then, then I started, uh, watching porn a, l- a few years later and then came, you know, cause I, I figured if I wasn't fantasizing and if I was just masturbating and watching porn, then it wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't get that depression. And I didn't really get that depression, but instead I got a whole nother thing. I got a whole, uh, I got the, a whole anxiety disorder where I would focus on my breath constantly and uh, basically drive me nuts because I wouldn't be able to not focus on it and uh, it would pretty much drive me like to almost having a nervous breakdown, like except I white knuckled not having a nervous breakdown, like, I don't know, probably a hundred times. Um, and yeah, so that pretty much made my life very, very, very unmanageable. And through all this, I could not stop um, acting out. Um, so that's pretty much, you know, people say I'm single and I'm I'm here, like it's great. I don't know. I, I think, I don't know, I don't need a wife or uh, a spouse to try to push me into the program. Um, if that If that was my level of pain. So that's why I'm here. And... Um, I'm just very grateful to God for the gift of sobriety. Um, uh, so coming into program um, definitely helped uh, that a relative of mine was in um, AA and they pushed me to go to, you know, program. But prior to that, I had someone in program. Um, Shalomar, who disclosed to me that he was in program because I told him I was having a hard time and this and that with, uh, you know, with uh, porn and stuff. And uh, he opened up to me about program. He told me, you know, um, yeah, he's in the he's in the program of SA and you could never lust. And if you walk down the street, you see a woman, you can't look and whatever. And I thought he was absolutely crazy because... I was like, yeah, you could never like. I was like, what does that mean? You, you never look at a woman and get like like aroused. Like, it didn't make any sense to me at that time. Like, I didn't realize. Like, I didn't know that there was like, like I thought he meant like you can never get triggered or something. I didn't even. I, I didn't. Re- I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, but things were just were getting desperate. Um, to a point where. 
after I started taking, I started taking, I started taking medication, which helped a lot. And then I kind of knew that I was going to take medication. And then I would, I was just in the back of my mind. I was like, I was like, I know that I'm going to take medication, but then what's going to happen is, um, I'm going to, I'm going to just keep acting out and I'm going to have to take more and more medication. And that was what was happening pretty much. Now, besides the fact that I was smoking copious amounts of marijuana. So, um, I got into the program, um, June 16th, about, of, uh, 2015. Um, and I, I went to my first meeting in Metuchenist or Metuchen, as we like to call it. And, um, I, uh, I was just a very, I was very casual about it. You know, I was like, okay, big deal. I'll check it out. We'll see what happens. And then I went to the barbecue, I think like right afterwards, the essay barbecue was like Ren. And, um, I don't know. I stayed there for a little while. I felt very stupid and I left. Um, uh, then I, so I, I took my, I, I got a sponsor at the retouching place and then I went to, uh, Tom's river. I made, uh, the Beachwood meeting, my second meeting and then the barbecue and then whatever. I was allowed to come to the Lakewood cause I was like, I was three meetings or something. I don't know. Um, and at the Lakewood meetings, it took me some time, uh, um, one thing was very, one thing was very important for me, um, that I want to pass on to others is that, um, um, you know, first of all, like, like I appreciate the people that just, you know, let me, let me, uh, they let me spew my shit all over the meeting, you know, like I, I was saying a lot of things and. And uh, there's a lot of things I have to get off my chest. And it was a lot of, I, I dumped a lot. I needed to. Um, but there was a lot also, like, I, at one point, I had 57 days. And I was I was doing uh, meditation. For, uh, I was doing, like, Hespoides meditation um, uh, for 57 days in a row. And that, like, I was sober. I was convinced that that was the right way to go. And I was sharing about it and this and that. And then I, then I relapsed, whatever. Um, but, but one thing was that one thing, the important, one thing that, uh, that I want to share about my early recovery is that it's very important. Um, it was very important for me to know that I really wanted recovery and no matter what anyone said, I came to my, I came to the meetings and, um, I, I didn't let anything dissuade me. Um, even if I was smoking weed, um, it didn't matter. Um, I, I was sober for four months, sexually sober until I quit weed. Um, and, uh, 
but first, um, I, I went through, actually, I went through three sponsors before I got so burst, actually. Um, that's because I just didn't find the right sponsor. Um, my first sponsor, I felt like just didn't really have much, like just I didn't connect with that much. Uh, my second sponsor just told me to get, um, communicate to him via text message. My third sponsor tried with me. Um, and then he told me that since I was smoking weed, that I would have to go to his sponsor, told him that, uh, that he got direction from his sponsor, that if he wants to sponsor me, I'd have to go to NA first. Um, and the thing is that I knew that I wanted recovery and from sex, from, from sexual addiction. I knew that I went through such hell with this addiction. And I wanted recovery. And, and, and I said, I told them, listen, I said, I want to stop acting out. I said, I, and I'm, but I'm no way right now. Can I go to two programs when I'm deathly afraid of this program currently? Because I was, I was afraid to touch the big book because it's like death if you act out or, you know, it was like AA is like die if you act out or whatever. Um, so I was petrified that I was that I was classified as a sex addict thing, um, and so so you know he said, oh maybe you just don't want to quit weed because you're um, you know you don't want to get sober, and I knew bottom line is, is that no I want to get sober. Um, so finally I got another I got my fourth sponsor who said, you know. He just wanted to know if I had a good enough step one. And I told him, trust me, the last thing I want to do in this world is act out. Um, and, uh, you know, through him, after seven months being in program, um, you know, he worked the steps with me. Um, um, and after step, you know, I did a real first, you know, step one, two, and three, which was, which he just told me, forget about everything he said, you know, forget about the weed, forget about what you're, you know, you're waking up late, forget about getting a job. He said, just turn your life over to God. Step one, two, three is like, just work the program, make your phone calls, work the steps and you'll stay, you'll stay sober. Um, and amazingly that was, that was just, it was just that simple message that 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 was it that that worked that uh you know i i i didn't have to stay sober i didn't have to i didn't have to i didn't have to be the one to to stay sober i thought that previously i thought that i was gonna have to come to the meetings i was gonna have to write write my step work down do the step work read the book and then i would have to stay sober and while I was doing that and thinking like that, um, I I would automatically white knuckle because I didn't know what it meant to surrender. I didn't know what it meant to give up and not fight the 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 urge. And I remember one night I I was like I had such a crazy urge that like I was up the whole night, but I was I was like I'm not acting out. That's it. Then I I. I, w- I was up till 5.30 a.m. And, and 6 a.m. I was just, I was outside. I was standing on Madison Avenue 
um, just to make sure that I don't act out. So I don't pull my pants down in front because because if I would stay in my house, I would have acted out and I called a friend, made him come down to my house. He spoke to me for two hours and I ended up acting out. I did like probably three days later, but, um, but that, but it just showed that I didn't have the message of what surrender was. Um, and surrender, I, re- I eventually came to, un- to understand from my fourth sponsor was that I actually give up the fight, like physically. Physically, I stopped fighting. I stopped quenching my, uh, my stomach and I stopped, I stopped furrowing my brow and I stopped, um, I stopped really fighting it and I actually just, just give up. And I say, you know what, I'm, I'm powerless. And uh, I lay down my defenses and I pick up the phone and I make a phone call. And um, my spiritual experience pretty much, you know, happened when my, I, I had one of those days where I knew I was going to act out. I knew for sure. I knew 100%. That that's it. Like you know, this is the this is one of those days. And I told my sponsor, I told him, you know, we had a good run, but like, like twenty eight days sober or something. I was like, but you know, it's just uh, this is one this is one of those days where I've never I've never not acted out on one of these days when I had this feeling of, uh, you know, just extremely triggered and whatever it is, and I'm just, you know, walking around the house, just waiting for it to happen, that kind of thing. And um, basically, I went to I went to bed, 9 o'clock, or whatever, and I was literally climbing the walls of my feet. And, um, you know, he just told me, you know, he's like, okay. He's like, you're act out. Okay, fine. He's like, just ma- make some phone calls. So as I was climbing the walls, I like heard his voice. I was like, okay, make some phone calls. All right. Um, I was like, okay, I'll act out, but at least you know, I'll have, I'll, I'll, I'll do what he says, and I'll act out. So I just started dialing the phone, and I probably called like eight, eight, nine people. Probably five people answered, and I just surrendered it. I just said, hi, what's up? Uh, you know, Chaim or this or that, um, house over sex and lust, and I feel like I'm going to act out, or I just want to sur- surrender it, whatever. And, um, and I left a message on other people's, on the, on the people I didn't get through to their machine or whatever. Um, I just didn't fight it. I was like, I can't win this. I'm not, whatever. And, um, I woke up and I was sober and lust free. And, so the ber- biggest miracles, the two of them, was that I didn't act out that night. And the second one was that I woke up less free. Normally, when I white knuckle, I wake up the next morning and I'm I'm just going crazier. Um, but the miracle then was that, like, I didn't feel any lust. And uh, right then I knew that, you know, this program um, and, and, and God works. Um, and, you know, I knew that, I knew that I was straight up God, um, because I prayed so much in the past, people have prayed for me, uh, 
Um, and I only relied on God. That's the bottom line. Like it was only God that, that did this for me. Um, and, uh, and I, I know my, myself, I'm, I'm just, um, I am, I am naturally a very lazy person and naturally I fall out of things very quickly. And naturally I'm not a per, not the kind of person to stay sober. So I used to pray to God all the time. God, please keep me sober, you know, in a year from now and a week from now, two weeks from now, two years from now, early in sobriety, you know, like I was like, God, I know I'm not going to be coming to meetings, you know, in two years. I know I'm just going to be like running around, you know, whatever, just back to my old shit. Um, and, and like, lo and behold, like it's, it's four and a half, four years and change. And like, I'm sober and it's like, it's like, what the hell? God like flipped the switch. I don't know how to happen. Um, and then four months in, like, you know, God helped me quit weed and, 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 uh, and just the journey of, of uh becoming you know the first year was was rough as hell the second year was 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 almost as rough the third year the third year was was not as rough but it was it was rough and but uh the fourth year you know got much easier um so it does get easier um is one thing that uh, at least for me got a lot easier um i see god in my life every single day um and i don't have to be perfect god knows exactly what he's doing um and before program this uh corona thing would have killed me i would have probably been the nut ward just for being nervous and for being stressed and anxious but, um, I don't know. I'm fine. Thank God. Um, the miracles I, I, I have, uh, I've witnessed through the program, um, are so many. I mean, I, I, I used to write down the miracles. I had about 20 of them written down. Um, but, uh, there's my timer. Um, so I'm going to wrap my, I'm going to wrap it up and, um, just say that, um, I am very grateful that I'm a sexaholic and I'm very grateful for this meeting and for everybody here. And, uh, thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Troy. Real quick question, Shirley. I'm wondering if you could speak about one thing that you mentioned. When you first started your talk, you quoted from the big book, like in your first second on, on the line, and then later on you talked about how scared you were about the big book. I'm wondering if you could spend another moment just sharing what happened, like if you were so scared of the big book, how did you end up becoming a big book guy? Time. <laughs> um, you know, in the beginning, I was just scared in general of being an addict. The whole thing was just, I was petrified of becoming, of being an addict, meaning you can never 
like I'm just always afraid of I was just always afraid of never it's like oh my god I can never do this thing again in my life like that means like I'm I'm screwed because like I can't hold myself back I'm like I'm a guy that whatever you know like if if I do something I'll die what does that mean like if I do something once again I'll die like so the, I mean the fear alone kept me sober for 30 days I was just in like in like shock um so but the, the eventually I just like slowly uh yeah and in the beginning the first six months to a year I didn't even like big book meetings like it freaked me out but eventually I realized that uh I came to life a lot came to really love the big book because <sighs> big books are shit. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. I'm going to turn off the recording here. Uh... I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the daily reprieve, the best source for experience, strength and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.